I don't know about you, but I think I am pretty awesome. <laughs> I see a vote of confidence. <laughs> I really do. I, um, I've believed this for quite a while, and my awesomeness has nothing to do with me. My awesomeness comes from within. Now, you might be struggling with that right now, thinking about me or even thinking about yourself, but come with me into this passage that June's just read for us. If you've got a Bible app, why don't you open that up? There's a Bible at the end of every pew. It'd be worthwhile you just opening it up to 2 Corinthians. It's towards the end of your Bible. Just try and get to that passage in chapter 4. Because I think this passage has an awful lot to teach us about what it means to have Jesus living in our lives. It has an awful lot to convince you, as much as it has convinced me, that actually I am awesome. And I hope by the time you leave here this morning, you too will understand, you are blinking awesome too. Not as awesome as me, but you're awesome. Back then in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, in verses 6 and 7, if you're looking at it in front of you, you'll see Paul says, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. What Paul is basically saying there is that without God, without a relationship with Jesus, well, actually, I'm nothing more than a fragile jar made out of clay. And that's what I've discovered for myself. I came to a point in my life where I realized that actually I was pretty fragile and inconsequential. I could be a bit boring. Nothing special, ordinary, blah, 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 blah. But, but with this light shining in my heart, the light of Jesus, the Son of God, the light of the power of God within me, that makes me awesome. And I think um, the reason that a number of us struggle with this idea that any one of us can be awesome, indeed, some of you are probably sitting there now saying, oh, flipping heck, it's one of these American ideas, or, you know, it's full of self-importance and all of that. No, this is quite a biblical idea. The reason that a lot of us struggle with it is that we tend to think it is something imported from the West Coast, because we don't necessarily know our Bibles that well. It's not something that we've heard many sermons on. It's not something the Christian church tends to look at. Many of us struggle to think that we are in any way, shape, or form awesome. Because of the things that are in here, because of the things that are up here, and let's be honest, it's not always the light of Jesus that's in here and in here, is it? And so we consequently struggle. We struggle to think that anyone, let alone God, would think that we are awesome. I want you to know this morning 
just how awesome you are. I want you to live a life of awesomeness. I want you to overflow with awesomeness. But in order to do that, you have to see you as God sees you. And you need to fill your life jar with God. Now, sadly, many of us don't think very highly of ourselves. We have way more doubts than confidence. Uh, we have way more fear than courage. We have far more shame than honor and more sorrow than happiness. That's the reality. The list goes on and on. We feel like we don't matter. We feel so often that nobody does notice us. Nobody does really care. But I want to challenge that thinking this morning. For too long, we've filled our life jars with doubt and with fear and with shame and with many other things that, quite frankly, just don't help us reach our true potential. We never become the best version of ourselves that God intends. Maybe the truth is we've tried to fill our lives with all sorts of things. We've even tried to fill our lives with the things of God. But as human beings, we continue to allow our faults and our weaknesses and our imperfections and our flaws, what the Bible terms as sin, to just push him out. But Paul there, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, describes us wonderfully, I think, when he says, you are like fragile clay jars. And that's fair. I think that's a brilliant and apt description of what we're like. It can seem that we are pretty weak and dull. We aren't particularly much to look at. And as much as we try to dress ourselves up or paint our jars or try to make them look nice or add things to the jar to make them look bigger and better, the fact is life is still just a jar of clay. And all of the outside pretenses only mask what's truly going on within. You know, a clay jar, when it's uh, made... Did you watch the Generation Game the other week? Yes, how many of you watched the Generation Game? How many of you remember the original Generation Game? Yes, you see? So the Generation Game has come back, and you've got um, Sue Perkins and whatever her name is presenting it. And uh, it's quite good. And they had Johnny Vegas on there. Now, Johnny Vegas is a master potter. And he is very good. And he made a teapot. And he asked the contestants to try and follow. Well, I, all I can tell you is Sarah and I laughed our heads off. I hope nobody ever asks me to do any pottery. But it was, it was brilliant. It was good fun watching it. And uh, the, the, the truth of the matter is, as it was going on, the whole idea was that you could fill the teapots they were making with tea. It wasn't tea, it was Ribena and stuff, to see whether it could be poured out. And that's the thing, isn't it? When you make something on a potter's wheel, you make something that is empty. The jar that's there on the screen is made, it's perfectly formed, but it's empty. It's void. It's ready to be filled. 
Now, note, notice this very carefully, won't you? It is ready to be filled with anything. With anything that will take up space. So when you are born, you are like an empty jar, ready to be filled with all sorts of things. And you'll know from your own experience, as I know from mine, that sometimes what fills our lives isn't very good. And at other times, what fills our lives is blinking fantastic. And so we go throughout our lives being filled with all manner of stuff. It takes up the space, whether it's right or wrong, good or bad. And that carries on throughout our lives. You, you, if you're here in your 90s, in your 80s, in your 70s, in your 50s, in your 20s, your 30s, it doesn't matter. Your life is continually being filled with all kinds of stuff. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not so good. Do you know how it is? You go through times in your life when you fill your life with some pretty wrong stuff. And I don't mean, you know, about taking drugs or, or stuff like that. Let me tell you about a, a simple thing I did when I was uh, newly married, which proved out to be a pretty stupid thing. So we're newly married. We are living in uh, Corsham in Wiltshire, beautiful, picturesque town, and things are going really well. And uh, there's a couple of lads in the church who love playing squash. Now, I know this is hard for you to believe, but I used to play squash. Okay, that is not about getting a Robinson's bottle and just undoing it. All right, I used to play, and I used to be quite good. So, in the local leisure centre, there was a squash league. So, I joined the squash league, and you have squash league ladders and things. And I was doing quite well. And these lads in the church would come along, brilliant way of outreach, I thought. Great way to get alongside them, great way to spend time with them and everything. Problem was, at home, young wife with a baby who never shut up. And the baby was pretty bad too. So you can imagine, there's me coming home saying, wonderful time tonight, thrash the lads, climbing up the ladder, things are really going good. Sarah's there pulling her hair out. Can't get this baby to sleep. Things are very difficult. Being delivered by cesarean, trying to get over the operation, blah, 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 blah. The truth is, I stand before you as a man who made a mistake. Because I was so preoccupied with doing that stuff and being into my squash and everything, I was negating my responsibilities at home. I was filling my life with stuff that was actually pulling me away from my duties and obligations as a husband and as a father. It's not that she wanted me to give up squash altogether, but when you go out at half past seven and don't come home till 11, you know what I mean. And not just once a week. You have forgiven me for that, haven't you? <laughs> see, do, do you see, you fill your life with all sorts. That's one example of how you can fill your life with something that, mm, not quite right. And we go through life navigating this course, trying to find a way through so that hopefully what we are filling our lives with is right. What good, bad, or stupid things are you filling your life with? As you sit here this morning, 
The reality is, for every single one of us, there will be things in our lives right now that are good. There will be things that we do that are good, that nourish us, that help us, that nurture us, yeah. But there are things in our lives as well, let's be absolutely honest now, that are stupid. There are things in our lives that are downright bad. In the past, I filled my life jar with self-doubt. I filled it with selfishness. I've filled it with bad friendships. A smidgen of arrogance at times. When I was younger, some bad relationships with girls, some bad language. I I can give you the list. It's very cathartic telling you all my deep problems. But you can identify with it, can't you? Because the reality is, in all of our lives, there's the good, there's the bad, and there's the stupid. We all fill our lives with this stuff. And mixed in with all of that has also been my relationship with God. I became a Christian when I was a teenager. Quick secret for you, I didn't become perfect overnight. All right? So, as I've struggled with these things in my life, I've also had this relationship with God coming into the mix. And my relationship with Jesus. And all of these things are fighting for space in my jar. They're fighting for space within your life jar as well. So what is filling your life jar? Is it squash? That is an actual photo of me. (laughs) What is filling your life jar? Some good stuff? Some stupid stuff? Some bad stuff? Bad relationships? Loneliness? Anger? No point in coming to church and wanting a relationship with Jesus if you're just going to want, down, want to write down the good stuff, you know. What's the stuff that's going on that's genuinely you? Every day we're faced with decisions and what we fill our life jars with, what we choose. And it either makes things darker for us or lighter. Come back with me to that passage. Because in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, God wants there clearly to be light in this void, in this emptiness, in this darkness. Look at what he said. For God who said, let light shine out of our darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. When we're filled with the light... When the light of Jesus gets brighter and brighter and shines out from within, we become jars filled with awesome. We become jars filled with awesome, filled with the light that comes from living for Jesus. Because the truth is, if you read through John's Gospel, you see this portrayal beautifully, is that darkness and light cannot coexist the moment that Jesus slaps down on the face of planet Earth, light comes. Darkness has to go. 
That's the lovely picture of Jesus as the light of the world. Switch on the light, darkness goes. Welcome light increasingly into your life. Darkness will go. It will be shifted. How do we do that? <laughs> Our prayers earlier for the situation in Syria. We live in a dark world, don't we? We, we prayed for the situation in London uh, with the knife gangs and, and the shootings and stuff. It's a dark world in our own lives. There, there are people sat here this morning who have incredibly dark things going on around them in relationships they're involved with. How, how, do, we, how do we bring the light of Jesus more into all of that? In that passage, Paul goes on to say in verses 8 through 10, we are hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're, we're persecuted, but we're not abandoned. We're struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. How can we be filled with more and more light? Firstly, by tackling the light, the darkness rather, with light. Taking one of those things that you're currently filling your life jar with and replacing it with something else, something better. Let's be practical. If you have a, a bad habit... What about addressing it? If you have a bad relationship that you know is hurting you, causing you to make bad decisions, I want to challenge you. Is it time actually that you removed yourself from that friendship and found a friendship that brings some light into your life? What are you filling your mind with? Music, movies, YouTube videos? The danger is that sometimes what we actually fill our minds and our hearts with brings a whole lot of darkness with it rather than light. Somebody once challenged me, for every hour you sit around on your computer, why don't you give a minute to studying your Bible? Soon mounts up. How about every moment, moment spent dwelling on bad thoughts, whether it's lust or self-doubt or self-hate or anger? You just pray. Darkness is only present when there's no light. So in order to remove darkness, we allow light into our lives. We can create very deliberately opportunities for that light to come into our lives. It comes through many things. Try it out. Try reading your Bible. Try praying. Try coming to church a bit more. Try being involved in a connect group. Try going out for coffee with a Christian. They can all help produce light within your life jar. And by so doing, darkness is forced to retreat. Paul captures this in Ephesians chapter 5. He says, when the light shines, it exposes even the dark and shadowy things. 
and turns them into pure reflections of light. So the first thing I want to challenge you to do this week is if you are sensing that in your life there is this darkness, repel it. Remove some of it. Bring light to bear deliberately on areas of your life. Second thing, see the light through the darkness. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul goes on to say, the path we walk is charted by faith, not by what we see with our eyes. You know as well as I do, many times the right path is the hardest one to see, and the wrong path is the easiest one, isn't it? The things we see all around us all the time work to drown out light. So let me talk to you fellas here this morning for a moment. Lust and porn, two key things in our society that affect you and me as fellas. It's all around us, it's there all of the time, it's prevalent, it's right in our faces, and it's so accessible. You can view it when you want, you can view what you want, and with your smartphone, your laptop, your tablet, whatever, you have access to it. Films. Have you noticed how films today promote sex more and more? A discussion on a film show during the week about how good it was to see more nudity in a film than had been expressed in a, a prequel. I, I, I just wonder, for us as guys, let's be absolutely honest, we need to address this area of our lives by bringing more light into the darkness. We need to think, you know, our culture has become so tolerant of things, it seems okay, we don't give it a second thought. We don't hear many ministers standing at the front of a church talking about these things. But hey, we need to address this. It's all around us. And it's so easy just to follow suit and fill your jar with what everyone else is filling their jar with. Temptation is there, right in front of our faces. But awesomeness awesomeness lies beyond the darkness. I love the way the New Living Translation has uh, put 2 Corinthians 4, verse 18. We don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. You have to look past the now. Guys, I want to encourage you, look past that instantaneous relief that you may have. Look beyond. Look beyond the present. And for a lot of us here, male and female, in looking at different areas of our lives, we've got to learn to look past the troubles. We've got to look past the temptations. Look past the darkness that is surrounding us now. Look past our regrets past the mistakes, and try to find the faith and light that we need to become part of a jar of awesomeness. Because that's what God wants for us. How can you be filled with light? You start removing the darkness by adding light. Second thing you do is you start to look for the light through the darkness, look past it. And the third thing is that you learn to overflow 
with the right thing. We've all been influenced by someone or something. You'll have your own heroes, people that you've looked up to in your life, people that have really encouraged you, people that have really put you off. But all of us have people, in particular, who influence us. And we know, don't we, that sometimes the choices we make are based on other people's choices and actions because they've overflowed into our lives. If you're a parent, you'll know this. Because you'll know. And if you're a child, you'll know this. As a child, how often have you said, I'm still saying it now, okay? I do not want to do that because that's the way my parents did it. So I remember when Catherine and Jonathan were small, if they had something on their chin, some food stain or something, out would come the hanky. Remember that? I will never do that. Sorry for the number of times that I've done that. We, we deliberately want to distance ourselves from some of the people or the things that they have said, because we understand that things overflow. You know, I keep on saying to Sarah, I am morphing into my father. I can hear myself in the mornings. I sound like him. I'm taking longer in the bathroom than I've ever... This is my dad. These are all the things that used to drive me up the wall. I am becoming him. And a lot of us can identify with things like that. If you are a person of influence, if you are in the medical profession... You know that sometimes things you can say to people can influence the way they decide things. If you are in finance, sometimes the way you come over to somebody can act, you've got to watch it. That's why there's codes of conduct in a lot of professional areas of life. Because society has come to understand that it's so easy to overflow your opinion into somebody else. And we recognize it. Those of you who are teachers, you must recognize this more and more. When you walk into Catherine's classroom, there's 28 kids that are exactly like her. Ah! But that's the whole point. Sometimes the overflow of somebody else's life into ours can shape us, mold us, bend us, influence us. So let me ask you this. What's overflowing out of you? To you parents who are here this morning, what is overflowing from you into your kids? To you grandparents who are here, what's overflowing out of your life into your grandchildren's lives? These are the kinds of things we need to be aware of. Because as we all know, it's not all Dolly's tea parties and action men. Life can suck. And it can be tough. And sometimes we need to be careful with what's overflowing from us into that younger generation. Or indeed, into other people around us. Because you'll also recognize this if you're a best friend for somebody. I am very conscious that those people in close relationship with me can be influenced wrongly.
by something that I may be overflowing into their life. And it can work the other way. I too can be so open to receive that the overflow that's coming from them turns out to be negative. Sometimes it can help, sometimes it can hinder. I want to be absolutely honest with you this morning. I am a more loving and kind person because I have been influenced by the overflow of somebody very close to me who is incredibly loving and tolerant and kind, somebody who puts others before themselves all the time. This is going to be a total surprise to them this morning. That person is my wife. Well, that's not her. That's her. My life is inextricably linked to this beautiful woman. 29 years of marriage. She deserves a blinking medal. I deserve much more. But <laughs> if marriage, if the biblical imagery of marriage is to be taken seriously, it's in this area that we see it working itself out, isn't it? Because we're overflowing into each other's lives, two becoming one. And, and we recognize that the, the interplay that there is then in the marriage relationship means, because of her overflow, I know I am less selfish. I am way more aware of other people because of the influence she has had pouring herself into me. On the flip side of that, my dad. My dad and I had an interesting relationship. Growing up, you know, he, he overflowed with sarcasm and jibes and sometimes a bit of rudeness. Now, guess what? I, I've got all of that as well. Ask her. That's the reality, you see, because a father's influence has poured down on me, but now a wife's influence has been pouring down on me. And all of these things go to make Mark Owen who he is. Thankfully, the overflow of Jesus as well has helped push light more and more to the fore. I am flipping awesome. And so are you. Whatever's been going on, whoever's been pouring themselves into your life, I want you to understand this morning, you are flipping awesome. And it comes from filling your life jar with the love of God. Because when you start filling your life jar with Him and your love for Him, believe me, it's going to change stuff. And you are going to start overflowing with some really good stuff, like love. Love for others, love for yourself. There's no one who loved God more. There's nobody who loved others more. There's nobody who loves you more than Jesus. And when we fill our life jars with everything that he is, our lives can overflow with awesome. As we think about filling our lives with the right things in order to overflow with awesomeness, 
I know it's easy for us to try and fix things and change things ourselves. It's easy to try and make our own light, as it were. But as we all know, how often have we tried it? It's doomed to failure. I want to finish with a story that some of you may well be familiar with. I wonder if you recognize this guy. Does anybody recognize him? Glee? His name is uh, Corey Monteith. Probably won't admit to knowing him. But um, he's a Canadian-born actor. Played a guy called Finn Hudson. Any of you know about Glee? Three of you. Praise God. Five of you. So um, he, uh, Glee's... Steve Haywood, I know you love Glee and you didn't put your hand up. I know you're into it. Please put your hand up. Yeah. So yeah, he, um, he was found dead uh, in his uh, hotel room um, on Vancouver's waterfront. He'd openly talked about struggling with addiction and he'd had problems really since he was a teenager. Uh, somebody once said of him, he took just about anything and everything. He was interviewed by Parade magazine in 2011, and he said he was lucky to be alive. He'd done so much stuff and abused his body in so many ways. He'd been into um, all kinds of substance addiction and had gone into rehab. And uh, Fox and the producers of Glee, including 20th Century Fox Television, Perhaps you convinced this guy was, was just cool. He was, he was a brilliant actor, an exceptional performer, an exceptional person, a true joy to work with, they said. But he battled those addictions, and he had tried again and again and again to sort them out. He'd gone through some trauma when he was a young kid. His parents had divorced when he was just seven he grew up troubled. He didn't have a father figure in his life. And he, he openly talked about just filling his life with all sorts of nonsense. And you can imagine, can't you, with all of this stuff just flowing into his fragile life, that negativity just welled up inside of him. It's a tragic story about a kid who really could have made it. I have no doubt that this guy was great fun, apparently an entertaining guy, but the darkness that there was in his life wasn't sorted, and it snuffed out the light. He never grabbed hold of the one thing that could save him. Because you see, I truly believe that the thing that could have helped him is a faith in Jesus Christ. I've been privileged over the years, and I'm sure Dave has, and I'm sure many other people here have too, to meet people whose lives have been totally transformed, changed, turned around by the light of Jesus overflowing into their lives. So I want you to know this this morning. Whatever's going on in your life, however bad the darkness seems, the light is here. And this morning... I honestly believe there is an opportunity facing every single one of us, and that is to get the light. To receive the light, to push out the darkness, and to surrender ourselves to the overflow of Jesus and his love in our lives. Now, you may feel fragile. 
You may not understand a lot of this. You may not be able to quote the Bible or know how to pray a prayer. That's not what I'm asking you because all that God offers you this morning is everything you need and that is light in your darkness. We have just celebrated the most amazing period in whole of human history. We celebrated Easter when light triumphed over darkness. And that light is available to you and to me this morning. So as we close our service, I, I want to make this honest appeal to you. If you are struggling with darkness, if there are things in your lives that you need to sort, please sort it. If you need help, we can help you. We can signpost you to Christian organizations that might be able to help you with certain addictions or problems that you're struggling with. The pastors here, you know, we can come alongside you and pray with you. We can do the tea and sympathy bit and all of that. We're more than happy to do that. But please hear this. You are flipping awesome. Whatever anybody else has been speaking into your life, however bad they told you you are, however much they've tried to put you down and tell you that you'll amount to nothing, you are flipping awesome. And I say that on the authority of God's word. God brings light into darkness. And that light is here for you to receive this morning. Would you join me? Let's bow our heads for a moment, please, as we reflect on this. If it is that you have never welcomed Jesus into your life, if it is honestly that you know, you may have been coming to chapel for donkey's years. That doesn't matter. But, but if, if, if this morning you recognize that you need the light of Jesus in your life, all you have to do is ask him. I'm not going to ask you to sign a, a mandate. I'm not going to ask you to do anything. I'm just going to ask you to ask him, please, just do it. doesn't matter what words you use. Just be sincere. That light is available to you. Is there an area of darkness that you are struggling with, really struggling with, something you can't let go of? Then I want to encourage you, invite the light to come into that area of your life. Is there a friendship that you're struggling with? You recognize the overflow from that person is debilitating, destructive. Well, my friend, maybe you need to Stop that friendship and bring a friendship that brings light into your life. Light is available. Light dispels the darkness. Maybe your jar is missing the one thing that can bring light, and that is Jesus.